it's that reaffirmation like, oh yeah, this is why I'm doing it. This is why I'm sharing my message. Okay, welcome to the podcast Wild and Creative. This is your host, Sarah Marie Thompson from wildandcreative.com. I'm a creative lifestyle expert and soul guide. I have an amazing guest, Elizabeth Shaw. Elizabeth is an author and she recently just came out with a brand new book called The Optimist Manifesto. And she's also a delight to talk to. You will hear her soon. And I'm so excited that you guys are here with us today. Before we start, I do want to remind you about the Soul Circle membership site, and you can go check it out at bit.ly slash membership. It is an amazing portal of creativity, magic, connection, and intuition, and it is something that is going to help you grow and blossom in your business and in your life. So definitely check it out. You get one week free. Go to bit.ly slash membership, and you can grab your one week free there. Absolutely no obligation. So let's get into this episode. I'm excited to learn all about your brand, your journey, your new book, everything that you've been up to lately. So let's dive into divine for a moment. Like what is divine really? Is it, is it just, is it a brand? Is it a online store? What is it? It is a brand. So it started about eight years ago as my event planning company when I started my own business. And it's evolved as I've transitioned events into just one of the ways that I'm sharing optimism. So now Divine is um, kind of that umbrella for all the different ways I'm spreading optimism, which is through my book, doing some speaking at women's conferences and events, going into corporations, and still doing events as well, although they look different now than they did eight years ago. Totally. I love this. Okay. So what is optimism really to you? I mean, everybody would probably say, yeah, I like to be optimistic, (laughs) right? Like everybody wants to be optimistic, but it seems like you're taking it to a whole other level. So what does that really mean for you? Yes. So um, optimism is really just about believing in possibility and then figuring out how to make that possibility happen. So I look at it as both the inner work and the outer work. A lot of people say optimism is just positive thinking, and that's only one component because then you have to do something with that thinking, and let's take it to a level where we're actually moving towards something better and some possibility. This is really interesting. I feel like we have um, similar paths in a sense, just just hearing this about you, because about eight years ago, I started my online brand, which is basically all about helping people understand that they create their life in every moment. But realistically, like you're doing the exact same thing just under the umbrella of optimism. So I love it because it's the same. It's the same message, right? Like it's just in that like more of a no, you know what? Optimism is extremely creative. I'm going to say, I'm going to stop right there. The optimism is extremely creative because it really does open up um, a lid to then have you start thinking about how you're going to create after that, right? Yes. And like you said, it's creating the life that you want. Eight years ago, I started my business and I was still doing a lot of solo entrepreneurs who are doing something in the world. And so it's usually easy to get them on the phone and have that conversation. And then I'll often send an ebook if they want to read it before deciding. Only a couple times have I had to send a physical book, but I'm, 
I'm happy to do that. I figure it will end up somewhere in the universe it's meant to be, even if they don't end up carrying it. And so do you have a room in your house right now that has like 5,000 books in it? Or are they ordering online somewhere? Um, I do have a room that has about 1,000 books in it. And, uh, but they end up ordering online from the company I'm using for the independent bookstores is Ingram Spark. Ingram Spark. Then Amazon has its own division where Amazon prints from, but they're two separate companies. Well, I find your story so interesting, and I thank you for sharing, because I know there are so many people that, you know, it's really this kind of, it's this time where people are just even allowing themselves to be a little bit more accepting of their own story and know that they have something to share with the world, right? However that might appear within a book or an ebook or speaking in an event or creating a course, what have you. But it really is this time where people are realizing like, I can do something cool too, right? So your story is really, really inspiring. And just the way that you've broken it down for us today is not so scary. It's not, it's not so scary, right? Which is very optimistic. <laughs> I've accomplished my goal. So when I said to you before, you know, where can you go from here, right? Because your divine company is all about optimism and your book's on optimism. Tell us just like a glimpse of like, what could your books be about now? <laughs> where can you go from here with your books? Well, I am going to pick up an element of learning from some famous optimists. Okay. Revisit some of the work I've already done, but hoping to do it in a more interactive way in the future, not just uh, me telling their stories, but working with them to tell their stories. Nice. That is awesome. You know, it's so cool and it feels so good when we can reuse material, even that we created like years ago. It's like, oh, I wasn't doing this all for nothing, right? It's like sometimes it takes like just a full circle of time to kind of come back and wrap around and you realizing like, oh, that really makes sense to me now to use that. But um, have you found that you've done that a lot in the past? Like just reuse kind of stuff that you've created before material? I have and it continues to surprise and delight me because, you know, usually when you move on from it, you just never know that it's going to come up again. And when it does, it's like finding gold. And when you do use it, it feels like it was so on purpose and like life makes more sense <laughs> in, a, in a sense, right? It was, it, uh, it was all for something. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Um, I've even learned so much from you and I cannot wait to grab your book. Please let us know, like, where can we get your book? Where can we get um, our hands on the Optimist Manifesto? So you can buy it either on my website, divine.com, or on Amazon. As of yesterday, it is now live on Amazon. <laughs> awesome. So did you do a pre-launch pre or something like that before it became live on Amazon, or how did that work for you? I did. So I used the crowdfunding as that pre-launch and my goal of reaching that 2,000 in sales going into it being available more widely distributed and nonprofit events, which I love each for their own reasons. But for 20 years now, I had this calling to write a book on optimism. And I kept saying, someday, someday, someday. <laughs> and finally, four years ago, I said, I'm tired of someday being this elusive thing that's, you know, 20 years down the road. I need to make it now. 
And so I booked myself a month in Bologna, Italy, and went there and just sat down and started writing. And so for the last four years, I've taken a month for myself every year to go and write this book and make it this expression of my soul's purpose. And in doing that, my events started to evolve. And so I started to say, I have this soul's purpose. How can I use events to help other people realize their purpose as well or express their purpose? That is so cool. So, okay. So you're saying that you had the idea for your book and you felt like it was just like wanting to explode out of you for so long. But realistically, though, it did kind of take you four years, like a month a year for four years to kind of get it all wrapped up and feel like it was complete. Yeah. And it was a, an interesting journey because when I started writing the book, I knew I wanted to write about optimism and I questioned who wants to hear from me. Like I'm just this kind of no name ish girl from Boston, like in my circles, I'm big, but on the grand scale, I, you know, a no name. And so I started writing about famous optimists. And so the book was going to be about Steve Jobs and Oprah Winfrey and Bill Gates and classic authors, and the whole spectrum. And this year, when I went back to finish my book, I was 75% of the way done. They're just going to like wrap up all the loose ends. And I sat down and looked at the manuscript and said, this isn't my story. Like, this isn't what is coming from my heart. It's me trying to just share everyone else's story, which has a purpose, but it all of a sudden was a major shift for me in that I needed to tell my story. So I set aside all the work I did and in 21 days in January of this year wrote my book. Okay. I love this story. I love this story so much because I think that so many people go through the same thing, right there. And correct me if I'm wrong, cause we're going to going to spin off here. But if you are, wanting to always share someone else's story, right? Which is amazing because like we learn so much from people doing so, but it gets to a point where then you want to explode and just share your own story. So was that like what was happening for you? <laughs> that was completely what was happening. And it was very vulnerable and unfamiliar because I'm usually a behind the scenes girl. Like I'm that event planner. So I'm making everything happen, but behind the curtain. And so all of a sudden to say, no, I am going to come front and center and share who I am was so terrifying. <laughs> but like you said, it just was like exploding out of me. I couldn't help myself. How do you think the message changed? So for example, we've got stories of like all these famous optimists and, uh, you know, people are probably going to learn a lot from them, but how do you think the story has now changed being your story? Like, do you think that the focus is a little bit different or... It is, and I think it's a lot more practical. So I like to use practical optimism for how I live my best life. And I think by coming from someone, you know, I'm a girl who grew up in Idaho and moved to Boston, and I have, um, you know, not this, like, super famous, super wealthy foundation. It was just me learning to live my life through challenges and different experiences. And so I took that to share really specific tips and tools for people on how to be optimistic. And I don't think I would have gleaned those same tools from why Oprah Winfrey's an optimist because she has just very different means and experiences. It's, it's true, right? It's sometimes it's hard for people to really like wrap their head around realities of others that they feel are really unattainable, right? So for example, for someone who quote, quote, you call yourself normal, <laughs> 
for someone that calls themselves normal, it's so much more relatable. And then they're not, they don't have that fear. Like it's not as scary for them to be like, I can do this too. Like this is, this is stuff that I can put, um, you know, into use today. Right. The knowledge that you're sharing. Absolutely. So tell me what did it feel like when you realized that you had been spending three years writing a book that was just kind of getting you to a place where it was like, oh, now I can finally write my own book. <laughs> I still think at some point I will probably revisit all of that work that I did and it will have a purpose. But if its purpose was just completely to help me share my message, I'm so 100% good with that because it's just this like weight that's been lifted off of me now. Do you feel that in a way you weren't necessarily ready to share your own story. And it really just took three years of, um, you know, getting ready for that. <laughs> yeah, I think it took three years or probably longer for me to find that value in knowing like, I actually have something to say that is worth being heard. Right. And not in an egotistical way, but just I want to serve and share these great experiences and um, that I think will help other people. Yeah, no, I love I love the story that you have shared with us because it really just helps um, confirm to so many different people that, you know what, like if you have something inside of you and you're maybe apprehensive about getting it out, what have you, you just dive in, like dive into like wherever it takes you, right? So for you, you really had to study other optimists right? Um, and you still knew that you were optimistic in that sense, but it just took you that time to really like cultivate that material and then realize I have a story that's just as good. So like that's such an amazing story to share with other people because it's, it really just, you know, can confirm for them too that, you know, everybody has a story that they can share. And so tell me, what do you think about this? Because so many people feel that they don't have a story that's inspiring. I really feel that, you know, everybody has some kind of inspiring story that they can share with others, no matter what they've been through. Because there's always going to be people that are inspired by some part of your life, right? Maybe not everybody, but, but somebody. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Because I think that no one is going to share things the exact same way that we do. And so even if it resonates with just one other person, which we all find connection with at least one other person, so it's going to resonate somewhere, it's going to make a difference and have that like ripple effect. So love it. So tell us about the process. Okay, so you wrote your book and you're like, wow, I have my own book. Now it's all about my own stuff. I love it. And so then what happened? Then you're like, okay, now I need to get it out to the world. <laughs> did you have a moment there where you're like, uh, what do I do? Or did you already have a plan? I had a plan and nothing went to plan as is like the case in uh, most things in our life. So I had a, uh, a publisher and I forget the exact type of the exact name for them, but they're one of those crossover publishers. That's like sort of self publishing, but within a major publishing house, you have all the resources of the major publisher. Right got back from Italy, sent my book to the editor and first round of things came back and the editor said, there's too much you in the story. Take out all the personal stories and just leave the tips and tools. So basically saying, go back to your old version. <laughs> you know, there's too much you, you're too much. So I was like, oh, and having this be the first time I'm super vulnerable was 
like devastating. I think I went into a little bit of a slump or depression for a couple weeks. But then I decided, I picked up my manuscript again and I was trying to figure out what to do. And I read it and was like, you know what? I am dang proud of this. I'm not going to change it because this is going to resonate with someone. Mm -hmm. And so um, I left it the way it was and I had the freedom to do that. And then the second round of feedback came back and said, the book's a little too optimistic. Can you make it less optimistic? You know, sometimes I don't know what the publishing world like it's like its own I don't I don't understand it because as you're saying this I'm bringing I'm coming memories are coming back from when I had a literary agent and uh, she was you know promoting my book on like creativity and magic and all this and getting feedback such as creativity doesn't sell right now and I'm like looking in the bookstore like all these books on creativity I'm like what do you want from us (laughs) major sections creativity right here so that must have been really frustrating and disheartening. <laughs> it was. And I think that two years ago where I was still trying to figure out what my voice was, I would have listened to it all. And I would have scrapped everything and said, sure, I will please whatever you know um, theme you think it should be. And instead, I fired the publisher and mm-hmm. decided to just 100% self-publish. And I didn't know how to go about it, but... I had a a new colleague working with me and I said, are you game for trying to figure this out? And it has been a process of trial and error and sometimes more errors than successes, but it's now here. It's my baby. Mm -hmm. So what did it feel like the first moment you had it in your hand physical? I was so giddy and over the moon, like happy dances galore. I had my mom who does not drink at all, has not drank. (laughs) life be the one like popping open a bottle of champagne that is so cool so cool I love this okay so what happened in the time span from you realizing okay we'll sell I'm going to self-publish this I'll get some help to kind of figure this out Um, because self-publishing itself is actually quite an easy task but I know that you actually added in a bunch more work for you right you did a crowdfunding campaign Uh, tell us like a little bit about that and also why you chose to do that yeah, so I, I managed to figure out the whole process of getting the book on Amazon, which was really easy, but I feel strongly it belongs in bookstores. Like, I want to go in and see it in little independent shops around the country, and I was struggling to figure out how to do that and ended up finding a consortium of bookstores that said, if you can, pr- like, proof of concept, if you can show us you can sell 2,000 copies or the equivalent of 2,000 copies, we will get some of our bookstores to carry it. Love it. And- I'm like, great, how am I going to sell 2,000 copies or the equivalent of that? And that's where I decided to do the crowdfunding. So it was a lofty goal, a $30,000 goal. Yep. And um, it was another vulnerable step because you you can't just put that out there and be like, oh, I'll mention it on social media and hope everyone comes and gives. Totally. Ask for help. And it's humbling. It's really humbling. (laughs) I bet it's also a nice compliment, though, like going through that process to 
being okay and comfortable with people reading your book and just finding out who you really are too. Because we're, wherever we're vulnerable and wherever we're kind of asking for help or being open in that way, I mean, it all feels the same, right? So I'm sure in a way, you know, as excited you were to get your book out, I'm sure you also had some apprehensions of like, everybody I know will understand my story. Like, and that's a little bit scary, right? But again, it's just as scary to be like on social media, I need your help. I need your money. <laughs> I need you to buy my book. And then you're also going to read it. <laughs> so it's kind of a big, scary process, right? It was, but it was, like you alluded to, also so rewarding because it just felt like people were pouring love into me. And even people who maybe couldn't support the crowdfunding, but went and shared it in every area they could. You know, my dad was sharing it at his poker games with like oh my gosh. Vietnam vets in his community and they were buying books from me. <laughs> Which is awesome because now at their poker games, they probably like do a chapter first, like in a group, a group book setting, right? <laughs> I want a picture of that. I can totally see that happening. So what would you say to somebody that has kind of been in your shoes, right? They know they have an amazing story to get out there or they have words that they want to get out there, right? Um, there is, of course, a traditional publishing route and there's the self-publishing route. What would you say to them if they're just feeling like really lost and they don't know like where to go from here, right? Yeah, I, I started or ended up going through the process of my publishing part with my why and just reconnecting with what was most important to me. And ultimately what was most important to me was just getting the word out and sharing my message. It wasn't that I needed to sell millions of copies or be a New York times bestseller list. And that released a lot of expectation and a lot of big daunting stress because I think sometimes we have a goal and then we see you know, the Gretchen Rubens that have done something so amazing. You're like, oh, how could I ever be that? And we forget to connect with, well, that's not exactly what I even want. I just want to share my heart and my message. Which is really, really interesting because I think that those individuals like Gretchen Rubens or the Danielle Laportes or the Gabby Bernsteins or all those women, you know, that we kind of all have one of their books on our shelf at least, right? You know, they all did go through a similar time, like you have gone through, right? And we don't even necessarily know what their first books were, right? Like maybe they're nothing books that we there aren't even on the shelves, and they got kind of you know reformatted into books that they have now. Uh, but you know, everybody kind of has that first stepping stone story. So this is a really big, huge kind of landmark for you. And moving forward, I mean, you're gonna find the process that much easier, like moving forward, right? And that much more exciting to share more stories of yours. Yes, I already have books two and three like percolating in my head as seeds and excited for that. So you said your company and your brand, Divine, is all about sharing optimism with the world. So your first book is called The Optimist Manifesto. Mm -hmm. And so tell us though, like, where can you go from here? <laughs> where can you go from here? <laughs> Well, I'm excited to continue sharing the book and spending some time doing that and then eventually writing another one as well. But I'm also, as an event planner and an optimist, so excited to help other people see what's possible for themselves. And so I work with a lot of creatives and entrepreneurs now to 
help them manifest their purpose and their message through events, which to me is super optimistic because I'm showing like, here's what's possible. Here's all the amazing things. And let's make that part of how you share your message too. Love it. Do you, do you think that it is a vital part of, uh, how should I say this? Kind of getting out there and making it big these days is to be speaking at events and also have a book. Do you think that that's kind of like necessarily necessary, or do you think that it's just kind of like a story that some people have told themselves? I think it's just a story. I did it for a long time too, um, and I think if you you look at kind of those upper echelon of people that we've been talking about, the Daniel Laports and the Gretchen Rubens, you can always find someone who's done it their own way. Not every single one of them does their own events. Like, I don't think Brene Brown does her own events. She speaks at them and she has her books, but she's not doing an online course or, you know, so we, I think we get in our own way so much of the time because we're scared of what it means to actually follow through on what we're feeling called to do. For sure. Gosh, I mean, <laughs> I was even thinking about today, you know, all the things that I had on my list of things to complete this year in January and feeling so excited and just like, you know, gung ho to do it. But, you know, life can get in the way, right? Like just, you know, days pass quickly, right? And unless you're really on top of something, you know, things, time goes by. And so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to try and get all these things done in the last like four months of the year. <laughs> Just to say that I have done it right. What do you feel is your strategy when it comes to really like getting things done? Because obviously you had a bit of a plan back in the day, right? Which was, I'm going to take a really awesome trip and I'm going to work on my book. And obviously it, it worked for you, right? It did work. But what is your, your kind of plan now to get things done just in general day to day? Yeah, I, I use the pick three things plan and I didn't realize how long I've actually been doing this. Um, because 13 years ago now when I got married and everyone's like, oh, you're an event planner and you're getting married, you know, you're going to be doing all the things. And my husband and I, we picked the three most important things to us. And that's like, that informed every single decision we made. We didn't worry about the rest. And that's how I've started to approach my day. Like I put three sticky notes on my desk and it's like, if I accomplish nothing else today, but these three things, what's most important? And it's helped me stay focused and not get as overwhelmed with the like four months left in the year. What's going to happen? It's such a good idea to just scale it back, right? Like when we look at our list of like the 25 things, it's just like, <laughs> I might as well do nothing, right? Like that's kind of like what we feel. So it's paralyzing. <laughs> Pick three things. Okay, so pick three things. I'm going to start doing that too. Because I mean, I only, I kind of, you know, more so do tasks by intuition, right? Like, what am I feeling like doing today? But in my mind, I know that if I work on one thing for a longer period of time, I'm going to get it done, right? But still, like, sometimes we don't, we don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to do that. So tell us about like your kind of creative habits and your creativity. And has that been a hindrance to you in a sense, like not so on the side of inspiration, but on the side of like, no creativity really likes to just be in the flow, right? Has that been a hindrance to you? Or do you find that you're a little bit more so strategy minded? Oh, I go in waves. So there's sometimes where that creativity just flows and I feel like I'm in that zone of genius. And then other times where I'm stuck a lot. 
but I do subscribe to the morning pages philosophy. So I get up and I write three pages every morning that sometimes is creative and inspired. And sometimes it is just total smut of like emptying my brain of things, but forcing myself to at least do something that's a, a creative outlet in some way, even if it doesn't always feel creative has then helped to free up mental space throughout the day to be more in the flow when creative things come. And I feel that intuition, like, I really should invest in this other corner, this other side of things. So you're pretty balanced then, is what you're saying. You're pretty, you know, you're creative and intuitive and yet you're still a very strategy minded and you know, that helps you kind of stay balanced. Yes. Although I do find that it's easy to get caught up in all the little details and the just day-to-day -day busy work and lose that connection with the creativity when you get super stressed or overwhelmed. Absolutely. I find in times where I'm feeling stressed or I have like some heavier things on my mind or what have you, the creativity does not flow as freely, right? And I'm a really creative person, but you know what? Sometimes I have days where it's just like, can't, can't be bothered. Like I can't even be bothered to dive in because like I know it's not going to be my best work, right? How do you move through those days? Well, <laughs> I feel like my, my process has definitely changed like over the, f over the years. I find that if I think back to the times where creativity was just flowing through me uh, every day and I was feeling so inspired and just excited about life and all these kind of things, the, the thing that kind of pops up for me is that I didn't have so much on my plate. Right. But the things that I put on my plate now are, are self-made. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm putting those things on my plate. So when I'm finding that, uh, my creativity is not as free flowing and, and my days feel a little bit rougher in that sense, I really have to scale it back. Like I have to scale it down and say, you know what, I'm looking at these 25 things here, but you know what, for this month, I'm just picking two or three, like you say, right. And just picking two or three and, and the rest, will get done, but I just have to almost remove it on in, like compartmentalize it into another area of my mind. Right. It's kind of like, I just have to simplify things in my mind. And that, that's how I can start feeling really creative and excited again. Yeah. You're giving yourself permission to work on something that's really important instead of trying to do all the things. Yeah. Cause I will try to do all the things in my mind at the same time, all the 25 things. <laughs> And then I don't get them done, right? So then I feel more guilty and then I feel more overwhelmed. So it's really a, it's a, it's a spiraling process like to be in. But I think one of the biggest things is just simplify because even like you said, when you went to go write your book, you had taken a month off to write your book. You didn't take a list of 25 things that you were working on at the same time, right? You had your one book to work on and that's why you got it done. I specifically even picked a city in Italy that was not as like sparkly and touristy as some of the others because I knew I'd feel distracted and constantly think, oh, I should go see the Colosseum or I should go do this instead of I need to just write my book. So why did you pick Italy then and not like a motel in like Delaware? <laughs> Because I wanted a place where I would feel creatively inspired by, and I love Italy, and I'm a foodie, so I picked a foodie town in Italy. You wanted to have some fun, too. <laughs> it was part of the process, yeah. I wanted to celebrate at the end of the day with a good glass of wine. Yeah, for sure.
So, so, okay. So now you've done your, you've completed your crowdfunding campaign. So congratulations on that. That is awesome. You have your book ready to go. You're selling it already. Um, what are kind of like your next steps now for kind of getting your book out there? I am doing some book launch parties this fall uh, around the U.S. and kind of some more major cities. And then in the spring, my goal is to do an independent bookstore tour and travel all over and go visit with book clubs and talk to people one-on-one and uh, do some book signings. And then some of the others, you know, doing more speaking at women's conferences and going in and doing some corporate work about making cultures that are more optimistic. But I love the one-on-one conversations. So when you do your independent bookstore tour, uh, I'm assuming that you've kind of already connected with those independent bookstores and they're willing to hold your books and all that kind of thing, right? Do you find that that's quite a long process when it comes like a tiresome process when it comes to making those contacts and those connections it is uh it's really fulfilling though because you're connecting with a real person and a real person that can make the decision and then as soon as they you know hear the message or see the book cover and they get excited about it it feels better than just trying to like get into a major corporation like walmart or something where you'd probably be run through all the you know different departments and struggle to get like that one person that can do something about it so do you do you what is the process for for people like listening is it that you need to kind of send them a book like all these independent bookstores or can you usually kind of describe over the phone or email like what your book is about send them kind of like a media sheet or what have you and they make a decision from there yeah it's usually a media sheet and a phone call and actually just talking to the person who's buying for them because what i've really appreciate about these independent bookstores is that they want to support creativity. Solo entrepreneurs who are doing something in the world. Oh my gosh. So thank you so much for joining us on this amazing episode. I was so excited to talk to Elizabeth because she's so amazing. And um, I hope that this episode really did encourage you and also inspire you to just go work on something awesome that you've been wanting to work on, right? That you've been putting off. I know it's definitely inspiring for me. I have a million things that I'm doing all at the same time, right? And so sometimes we just need to narrow it down and just do one thing at a time. So I thank you so much for joining us. Please definitely, if you have not already check out the wild and creative soul circle magical membership site it is bit.ly slash soul circle membership it truly is where creativity intention and magical connections change people's lives this powerful membership is for soulful individuals that desire to expand their intuition and their creativity and their magic and their ability to manifest their big dreams so i will see you in the membership site thank you for listening bye